Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Well, good morning, everybody. Nice to see everybody. Welcome to Trinity. Good morning, online family. It's so nice to have everybody. And uh, again, as is clear from last time I stood up here, I am not TJ Harris. Uh, I think it's not difficult to see. We are both uh, ruggedly handsome, but uh, I think it's obvious we're two different people, right? Um, He's uh, still a little under the weather, so we'll be praying for him. But I, I did feel this morning that I, I, I think we need to more deliberately uh, pray a little bit about the COVID stuff today. So won't you all stand with me? Um, everybody that's been affected by this and going through all this, I think we just have to keep fighting and pushing back in the darkness, right? So won't you just, uh, I'm sure if we raised hands now, everybody would say I've been affected by this, I've been touched by this, right? I've lost people I love, you know, it's not an easy time. So let's just... Pray against it. Take responsibility for yourself, right? The box on the floor, uh, it's somebody's problem, right? It's not somebody else's problem. Right? So let's pray into that. So just close your eyes with me. Father, uh, we just start as always by praising you, Father. We lift your name on high, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love for us, Father. And we just right now, Father, we, we speak against the darkness, Father. We speak against the darkness. We, we speak against fear. We speak against anxiety, Father. And we just pray that you would just uh, embolden us, encourage us, Father. Help us to take responsibility for the problem that's ahead of us, Father. And we are fighting the darkness, Father. We speak against this disease. We speak against illness, Father. And in Jesus' name, we pray healing and wholeness for each one of us. Each one that's touched by this. Each one that has a, a loved one that they've lost, Father. We pray just that you would comfort each one of us. That you would protect us. That you would make us whole, Father. We thank you, Father, that you love us so much. And above everything else, Father, through the midst of all this, we trust you, Father. We choose, Father, to trust you by faith. We do not look at the circumstances. We do not look at the tough things ahead of us, Father, but we trust you, and we worship you, and we praise you above all things. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we have, uh, I don't know, become a little complacent around the COVID thing. I'll be honest with you. I think we've become so used to it that we forget that we have to fight the darkness, right? I would just encourage all of you during the weeks with so many people struggling with this, don't be the, okay, there's one more person, they have it too, they have it too, the normal stuff. Pray, fight, uh, fight against the darkness, fight against the fear, right? So, so uh, we're going to continue our, our series, uh, Take Back Your Life. Uh, last week, Tyler had a beautiful message about uh, waking up and staying up, taking back your faith, right? That responsibility. Uh, of taking back your life and taking responsibility for those things. He's specifically in the image, uh, you know, take that faith, take responsibility, uh, take the problem in the box, right? Take responsibility for it. Each one of us has, has a responsibility, right? Um, but so this week we talk a, a little bit more about stepping up, uh, which is again, I don't know, stepping up in the church is a very familiar line. Step up, step up. We hear it all the time. So as usual, and uh, because I don't want to offend TJ, I will tell a little story right? Because this is what we do here at Trinity. So, um, many moons ago, when I was a young teenager, I had uh, not the best friends in the world. Uh, and one weekend, we decided to go to my friend's uh, father's farm, and we were hanging out on the farm. And as a bunch of teenage boys tend to do when they hang out together, they think of the stupidest things to do, and uh, that's exactly what we did. So, we decided to build a zipline, our own zipline. So, we went to the, into his dad's shed, and we found these wires and cables and whatever, and we decided to do a zipline. So, we sort of connected the ziplines from one tree to the next, and then we thought, this is boring. So, on his property, uh, his dad actually had a water tower, a proper water tower. 
So we decided the smart thing would be to hook it up to the top of the water tower. We climb up the water tower, hook it to a tree at the bottom, and then we put pillows down there and mattresses and everything, and we were like, we would just safely, you know, lightly crash into the trees at the bottom, you know. So this is a, yeah, smart teenagers, right? But at Trisha, we love teenagers, right? <laughs> so this is what we did. Um, and I remember climbing up, and I sort of leaned over, and we had this jerry-rigged mechanism that I had to hold on to to sort of do this. And at that moment, you know, there was like a beam of light coming from heaven. My friends were standing, you know. I was expecting this, like, you know, angels singing. They were going to cheer for me. It was going to be this epic moment. And as I reached out for this mechanism, um, I missed. And I fell off the water tower. Um, and that was, a, that was a long way down. That's not a, that's not a low place to fall from. And I remember, of course, it was chaos, and everybody came to help, and mom and dad were called, and they came, took me to the hospital. It was all craziness, um, and lots of tests and x-rays and everything else, and the doctors go, hey, you, you're lucky. You just broke your arm. And I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. And then they go, eh, but you also broke your pelvis, which is not a very common thing to break, right? So that was a big one. So I'm like, okay, so what do we do with that? And the doctors are, well, nothing. There's no way to control that. We basically have to put you in traction of some sort. You cannot move for at least 10 days, right? Uh, and it was a tough time. To make it even better as a young, I don't know, I was 13 back then, uh, they didn't have any beds in the kids' section of the hospital, so I had to go stay in the adult section where it was gray and dark, and the guy next to me was moaning in pain all day long, and I was alone, and it was a sad time, I tell you. <laughs> and... After about five or six days, the doctor comes in and he says, look, you know, you, I mean, you can imagine. I'm not allowed to move. I can't go to the bathroom. It, it, it wasn't fun, for lack of a better word. Uh, so he comes in five or six days later and he says to me, uh, well, you still have to probably be here for another week. We need to see that bone at least heal a little bit before you can start moving and stuff like that. And I am upset. So as this young 13-year-old, which is extremely stubborn, I say to him, I'm leaving. Like, I am leaving. <laughs> I said to my doctor, right? And he goes, no, you're not. He says, you can't even stand. I'm like, yes, I can. He says, well, if you can stand, you can leave. So I crawled out of that bed, crying like a baby. I stood up next to him, literally crying, and I looked at him and I went, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I took my first step, and my dad picked me up. <laughs> and... Uh, and I went to the bathroom for the first time on my own in a long time, which was wonderful. <laughs> but so we're talking a little bit about stepping up, stepping up. And sometimes that first step you take is tough, right? Sometimes that first step hurts. Sometimes it's filled with tears and anxiety and pain and things like that. But God calls us to step up. Somebody's got a problem, right? The box. And somebody has to take responsibility for that problem, right? It's not anybody else's problem. If the church doesn't stand in that place, TJ always says it, right? We stand in the gap. We fight the darkness. We do those things. If we don't do it, nobody will, right? So today, like I said, Tyler did a beautiful message about waking up and staying up. Um, the question is, once I wake up, once I get my faith, now I'm staying up. I have to do something with that faith, right? Faith without purpose, faith without direction means nothing. It's just empty, right? My faith can't sit in my little bubble all by myself, and I'm all happy and squishy in this little space. Jesus loves me, I'm full of faith, right? If that doesn't get walked out, if I don't take that first step, if I don't move forward in that place, then the box just remains on the X mark that I had to move, right? If you don't move it, if you don't do it, nobody will, right? 
So it's one thing to hear God. Uh, it's another thing to say, how do I step up? How do I do something with that? Uh, and we all have an opportunity in our lives to step up, right? Um, even as I speak to you guys now, you can think of opportunities when you needed to step up, right? We always had to sort of like man up a little bit or, I don't know, go up a little bit, whatever you want to call it, and, and really take responsibility. I remember when, uh, when me and my wife got pregnant with our first, uh, with our oldest, with Joanelle, that was that moment, right? I was 20 years old. We were not married. Uh, we had no money. We had no house. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoops, we're pregnant. <laughs> what do you do then? I just remember this overwhelming thing in me that says, come on, dude, step up, right? Take responsibility. And it was so powerful. It was from God, right? It was something where you just like, I have to fight this. I have to take responsibility for what's ahead of me, right? And sometimes in life, we make bad decisions that lead us to that place, right? But God is faithful and God restores and makes whole in a beautiful way, right? So maybe all of you can think of that time when you needed to step up in a big way, you know? So do you step up or do you shrink away? So today we're going to talk specifically about a, a king uh, that you read about in the book of Chronicles, uh, and he's a king by the name of King Asa. So in the book of Chronicles, you hear a lot of stories about David and King Samuel and uh, King Solomon, sorry, and all these type of things, and sort of each chapter of Chronicles has a sort of a chapter about a king and a different story that he did. King Asa got three chapters back to back, so he must be a little extra important, a little extra special, right? So King Asa, the, the story is cool, he was actually the great-grandson of King David. So uh, he, he's got a, a cool lineage, but the interesting part about it is that they say specifically that his father was not a good guy. His father did not serve the Lord. He, was not, uh, he served idols. They put up idols in the country, and they did all these things, and the Bible literally says that his heart was far away from God. Right? So King Asa took over from him, and King Asa decided this is not going to be the way it is, right? So he sort of started breaking down the idols. He started cleaning up the country. He said to the tribe of Judah, which he was in, in control of then, he said basically, we are going to serve God, right? And his heart, the Bible says, his heart was after God. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Just a side note, right? No matter where you come from, no matter what your parents were, you can step up, right? Take responsibility. Don't believe that lie that because of my parents, because of this, because of that, I can't be that person, right? Take responsibility. So it's a cool story, and uh, he basically goes into this, his first or one of his major battles. They say he had about 300,000 fighting men, the Bible says. So that's a lot of fighting men. But he goes to his first big battle, and what happens? As it always happens, there's a million fighting men against him, right? So he literally is standing, they line up on the battlefield, and he realizes there's no chance they are winning this without God's help. So they pray, like we're supposed to when the battle is real, when the darkness is there. They pray hard, and God gives them the victory. He hands the victory into their hands. And, uh, and they have this massive, his 300,000 killed the, the million, right? God fights the battle for them, beats everybody. It's this wonderful thing. The Bible says they had so much plunder and things, they didn't know what to do with it afterwards. Just this incredible battle. So... So God sees this heart of Asa, right? He sees this heart of this man, and he says, because I see this heart of this man, I want to speak into this guy's life, right? So sometimes for all of us, the heart behind it, if you want God to speak to you, I can't live in my separate little faith bubble over here, right? Live my own little life and not draw close to God. If I draw close to God and I step into that place, God wants to speak to me in that place, and that's exactly what he did with King Asa. So if you read in Second Chronicles, uh, it tells the story. So after this battle, they come back from this battle, uh, and this is the story. So after this battle, then the Spirit of God came upon, upon Azariah, son of Odet. 
and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Draw close to him, and he will draw close to you, right? Whenever you seek him, you will find him. Very familiar. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you, right? God is all-powerful, all-stable, and he stays standing. If I do this, that's my free will, right? The Bible says God is always yearning for me, always chasing me, right? But he's not going to override my free will and just take me over. I make that choice, and I separate myself from God, right? But whenever you were um, troubled and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. During those dark times, it was not safe to travel, problems, uh, troubles, and people in every land. Nation fought against nation and city against city, for God was troubling them with every kind of problem. But as for you, King Asa, uh, the prophet says, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. Your work will be rewarded, right? Not a place of doing nothing, not a place of complacency, not a, it's somebody else's box, right? Your work will be rewarded, right? Uh, when Asa heard this message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage and removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. So he took responsibility, right? That prophet came to him and literally after that battle sort of asked him to double down. He encouraged him. He said powerful things to him. And Asa, in that moment, had opportunity again. As that prophet spoke, Asa could have said, oh, okay, it's not so bad. He doubled down, right? He broke down the idols. He really stepped up. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about how he just changed the whole country, uh, the whole nation, uh, as he did those type of things. Um, so what can we learn from the story? Uh, we can all step up when it comes to our faith. We can all take responsibility when it comes to our faith, right? It's not just some far-off, distant thing. We have to take responsibility for it. And as we le learn from this story, the, the prophet Azariah, um, he delivers this message to Asa. God uses people, he uses prophets to deliver this message to us, right? And God wants to speak to us in that personal way. So what does God speak to Asa? I think there's from my life and people I speak to, right, there's a couple of examples, probably a handful of times in a person's life where God deliberately speaks prophetically to a person, right? Somebody else comes to that person, doesn't know them from anybody, and says, I heard God say this about you, right? Or I said this from you. That normally, most people I speak to, it happens a, a handful of times. In my life, it's happened a handful of times. The beautiful part is we have the Holy Spirit that walks with us too, right? So as we shift the difference between this and then is the Holy Spirit is constantly there, constantly guiding, constantly speaking prophetically over us, right? Go do this. Did you listen about this guy? You need to call this guy, right? There's consistently this prophetic move, right? But there is also a handful of times where God specifically sends people to speak to us, just like he sent this prophet to speak to King Asa, right? So what he did is basically give him a prophetic promise, right? He spoke to him and he said to him clearly, right? Just because of what he did and because of him honoring God, that he would bless him and the nations and everything to come. So there was a, a massive time of prosperity because Asa was so obedient to God, right? Breaking down the idols, doing those type of things, right? Um, the cool part about it is God wants to speak to each one of us the same way. In that personal, intimate way, right? God wants to make it clear for each one of us what is our purpose, what is our exact role in life, so my question is, do you know what your purpose is?
Do you fully know and understand what your purpose is in life? Right? Because in that place, that's where God's blessings come. That's where God's provision comes, right? If I'm searching all the time and confused about what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do for God, that's a tough place to be in. The one way I would test it, so each one of you think carefully to yourself. When you think about your purpose, if what you do, if you, what you believe your purpose is does not affect eternity, you're probably missing the mark. Listen carefully. If it doesn't affect eternity, you're probably missing the mark, right? The cool part about God is that purpose could be anything, right? You could be the rich businessman that writes good big checks for the missions team. Purpose, right? Eternal impact. You could be the stay-at-home mom that says, I'm committed to raising my kid in a godly way. And that is good, right? That's got eternal impact, eternal purpose, right? So check yourself. If you are in a bubble where you say, hey, I'm working hard, I'm doing my thing, but everything you do impacts only your world and this fleshly world we're in and doesn't impact eternity, check yourself. That means it's probably not God's purpose, right? So heavy, heavy words. Uh, the problem with the prophetic as general, in general, is that we all think it's voodoo sometimes, right? We think it's some sort of weird Nostradamus, end of the world sort of, I don't know, wacky stuff, right? People speak prophetically about what? They don't know me. How can they do these type of things, right? So it is in God's Word. The prophetic Word is in God's Word. And either we take His Word as it is, or we make it something else that we want it to be. So we've, over the last while, especially pushed hard into the Holy Spirit, right? And uh, speaking in tongues and all these type of giftings that the Holy Spirit gives us, prophetic is another one of those giftings, right? Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it, right? Uh, and it's not something that just, it doesn't have to happen every single second. I'm not consistently in this prophetic thing that I'm just like, God, I, I need you to be prophetic. So this week I need to do this, and this week I need to do this. Look at King Asa. His heart was chasing God, right? And when his heart was chasing God, he went to battle for God. And on the way back from battle, the prophet said, hey, dude, you're doing good. Keep fighting. Keep going, right? My heart is after God, but we can't become this sort of, uh, you know, hang around. I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm so desperate just to hear from God, and until God doesn't speak, I don't do anything. We live lives that are full of God. We chase Him with everything we have, but we don't become stagnant. There's a problem. Something needs to happen, right? Something I love telling my kids all the time, right? So, door one, two, three, right? I'm waiting for a prophetic clarity from God of what I need to do next, right? And it's like a, a game show. Pick a door, right? Here's the trick. God is on the other side of every door you open. Huh? The God of the universe, the eternal God, the God that knows you more than you know yourself, He is on the other side of every door. Don't become so complacent in your decision-making that you don't move forward for the kingdom, right? And again, don't get me wrong. We want to hear from God. We want to know what He wants from us. God's perfect will exists. But don't stay in that place. I know people that have been stuck for 20 years in the prophetic calling that God has for them, right? Which door am I going to open? Which door am I going to open? God is on the other side of every door you open, right? And maybe you open a door that makes it a little tougher to get there. And maybe you open a door that's the highway to wonderfulness and God just goes accelerate, right? But He is there with us every time. Don't get stuck and it has to be this perfect thing. It doesn't work like that, right? So, um, so again, don't be fearful of the prophetic, right? It's part of our church. We want to get into those things. 
So why does God do this thing? Why does He speak to us prophetically? So in 1 Corinthians, it speaks a little bit about it, but, but when somebody prophesies, He speaks to encourage people, to build them up and to bring them comfort, right? It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. I will, however, say not all prophecies are this beautiful kumbaya type stuff, right? They are prophecies where clearly in the Bible where God warns people and says, watch out. The prophet comes, even King Asa, not to be funny, the next chapter doesn't go so well for King Asa, right? Because all of a sudden he's trying to chase things at his own power, right? He's trying to fight the same battle he won last time, but all of a sudden he tries to use that same recipe and he goes, I'm going to do it myself. I'll figure it out myself. He pulls another king in. He gives him some gold. It sounds all wonderful. And guess what happens? They win the battle. And when they're done with the battle, the prophet comes to him and says, that's not what God wanted, right? So in worldly eyes, they won the battle, but not the way God wanted them to win the battle. So always, right, listen to God. Only act when God speaks, right? Um, the cool thing about the prophetic is we have to test it, right? You can't play games with the prophetic. So the first challenging thought is, if you hear from God, challenging all of you, if you hear from God and you think you have something that you need to go live out, a purpose that you heard from God, do you have somebody close to you that knows you intimately and knows you that well that you can tell them what God said and they can tell you if they agree with you or not, right? You have to test, right? Fellow believers around you, you test what God says against the Word, right? If God says, paint the room pink, right? If it's not in the Word, then don't paint the room pink, right? Figure out what God wants for you and test that against other believers and against the Word. Don't just take the prophetic and just run to the mountains. It doesn't work like that, right? So in First uh, Thessalonians, it says, and don't be one who scorns the prophecies, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test and afterwards hold tightly to what has proven to be right, right? Test them. Right, test them. Make sure you know that it is of God and it's not just your own mind or your own brain or some guy. Prophets are not spot on all the time, right? I spoke to a guy a while ago and he sort of is really heavy in the prophetic and he says, four out of ten. I'm, I'm right sort of four out of ten times. And he literally goes, I think God said this. Now go test it, right? I don't know you. This is what I heard. Go test it, right? And he gets four out of ten. Our responsibility is to go test what we hear in the prophetic, right? And we see this by the prophet Azariah as he speaks with Asa, right? Um, he tells Asa to be courageous, to be strong, to do what God wants him to do. Um, sounds familiar, right? God gives all of us opportunity to step up and do something. The cool thing about God is He helps us to remember, right? He helps us to remember the past. Um, he helps us to remember those good things. And the last thing the devil wants is for you to remember God's faithfulness from your past, right? Like, when we pray about COVID this morning, I was praying about COVID, and literally as I'm praying about COVID, God reminds me of a guy that we prayed for 20 years ago that got healed from a different disease, right? And God's like, if I did it then, why would I not do it now, right? God wants us to remember these things, right? It doesn't, the, the lie of the devil is just to like make those things fade into the darkness. That's why writing stuff down, that's why the word, what is this? It's memories, it's God's goodness written out so we can remember it. So for all of us, write it down. Write it down. If God does good things for you, write it down. Remember it, right? It's a beautiful thing. Um, take control of things like that. So he helps us remember. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, don't let the enemy make you forget. Remember what God has done for you. In Psalm 77, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old.
remember what God has done for you, right? It's, uh, it's encouraging, it's empowering when you speak from a place of, this is what God has done before. Here's the next battle, but He's done it before. Let's go, right? It's just an empowering place, right? And most importantly, of course, don't forget the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us daily. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let Him remind you of the good things that God has done for you, right? It's an amazing blessing that the Holy Spirit speaks to us that way, that intimately. In John 14, verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you in remembrance all I have said to you. The prophetic reminds us of the good things that God has done for us, right? Uh, even in that case with King Asa, right, that prophet said to him, Hey, remember when you turned to God, He turned to you. Remember in the past when you did this, God did this, right? He reminds him of the past. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I remember my mom had a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know why. I know the Holy Spirit was talking. I just had this moment where I was like, wow, God, you're just amazing. I have a family. You guys heard about how my family started out, right? Now I've got a beautiful family with five kids, and I'm blessed like you can't believe, right? And I remember my mom. I always cry a little bit. You guys know that, right? Um, I remember after we had Joanelle, me and Nadia tried to get pregnant, and it just didn't work out. Um, a couple of babies went to be with Jesus early, you know, stuff like that. So it was a little tough. Um, and then one day out of the blue, my mom comes to me, and she says, God says you're going to have more boys. And I'm like, what do you mean, mom? <laughs> We're struggling. We're losing babies. <laughs> Not losing. They went to heaven, right? Um, what, what are we going to do? What are you talking about, right? And after that, for those that know, I've got four boys after that, right? Four boys, you know? Divan, Juan, Xander, and Quinton. Quinton means number five, right? Five kids, you know? So it's a blessing, right? And when I remember those things, you know what it does in me? Whew, it wakes up. It's like this, this energy to be the best dad I can be, right? To be, to be that guy that loves my kids in such a special way because I know it's directly from God because of the prophetic word that my mom spoke back then, right? And how it just emboldens me and it strengthens me to live that out and to go fight for my family and for my kids and love them with everything I got, right? So it's a beautiful thing. So like I said, God wants us to remember these prophetic things. He doesn't want us to forget the good things He did for us. And he asks us to step in, right? So he does this prophetic promise. This is what uh, the prophet did with King Asa. He gives him this prophetic promise. And the second part is, that, is now I need to produce, right? Now I need to do something with that promise. I need to get moving forward and do something with that promise that he gave us, right? Um, Asa was given a path and a promise. He very deliberately said to Asa what he needs to do and how he needs to move forward. And Asa did it. He stepped up and he did it, right? So if you go back to the passage again, you can just read with me. When Asa heard the message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage and removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and he stood in front of the entry, that stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. Right? So he took responsibility for those things, right? He took responsibility. So King Asa did two things. He removed and he repaired, right? He removed and, and he repaired. So for all of us, the same question, and this is a common question in the church, right? 
the remove part. He had to break down those idols. He had to break down those things in the country that was not of God. It even speaks in the word that King Asa's grandma, she built idols as well and worshipped these idols and crazy things. And he literally had to go against his grandma and kick her out of her position as sort of queen, right? Break down her idols, destroy it all because he was honoring God, right? He literally went against everything. That is a, that's a bold guy taking responsibility for it, right? So the question for all of us, what do we need to remove from our lives? What is it that is holding us back from being in that place with God, that intimacy with God, that liking Asa, a heart that chases after God, right? a heart that loves God first? What do we need to remove from our lives? So maybe right now, as we're just sort of going through this a little bit, maybe just close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes and think a little bit. What are those things in your life that you need to remove? What are those things that hold you back from being in that intimate and close relationship with God? Is it uh, too much comfort, a little prosperity, maybe some fear, maybe some anxiety, maybe some bad habits that you need to break down and stop, right? Can't live in that space. We need to remove those idols from our lives, remove those things that aren't good for us, right? We ask the Holy Spirit would reveal that to each one of us now. Remember the box on the floor? You have responsibility, right? It's yours. If there's something in your life, right, Oof, the Bible uses some heavy words sometimes, right? Rip out the eye, chop off the hand, right? It uses some heavy words if they are things that hold me back from God, right? Maybe in most cases it means we need to throw our phones in the trash can, right? That'll help a little bit, you know? Some aggressive things, right, if you think about it. So some habits and some fears. It's important that all those things, our habits, our fears, our anxieties, things like that, we need to put all of that under the kingship of Christ, right? We need to give Him that. If you are the affluent businessman that writes checks for the church, put it under the kingship of Christ, right? If you are the stay-at-home mom that loves your kids, put it under the kingship of Christ, right? Everything you do, we as humans are so frail. At the moment, we think we do anything right, and all of a sudden, we elevate ourselves and think we're greater than we are. Put it under the kingship of Christ, right? So, in 2 Corinthians 7, it says, Beloved ones, with promises like these, and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. Remove everything from your life that contaminates, right? 1 Peter 1, verse 22 says, Now, because of your obedience to the truth, you have purified your very souls, and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this sincere love towards one another passionately and with a pure heart. Beautiful verses. When we hear God's voice and do what He asks us to step up, we step more into the purposes that He has for us, right? And we become more like Him. We said it this morning, right? We want to mirror God. We want to look like Him. We want to be like Him. Right? Beautiful. If there's anything in your life you need to remove, you have to deal with it. Take responsibility for the box. Right? So the second thing is after you remove those things, you need to repair. Right? The Bible is very clear, very clear. I cannot create voids in my life. Right? Think about demons in biblical times. Right? As soon as one demon was out, legions would enter if you don't put something in that place. Right? If I say, hey, I know I need to stop this thing in my life, I have to replace it with something new, something whole, something full of God, right? I can't just say, I'm going to, TJ said it well a couple of weeks ago, right? Our faith is an add-on faith, not a take-down faith, right? 
You add onto our faith. You build into that. You grow into that. You add good habits. You add good things. And as you do that, you add the Spirit to you. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. It pushes out the things that are not of God, right? But to live in this space, I'm just going to stop doing this, stop doing that. That's a losing battle, right? So we have to replace those bad things with good things. In life, things drift and change, even in our spiritual life. It's all over the place sometimes, and we have to be ready to adapt and to change. We need to reestablish that connection with God. We have to make that connection with God fresh and strong every day, every day, right? So the next slide, it talks about just charging the line, right? Uh, we need to charge our batteries with God. This time of fasting, this is a good time to charge the batteries with Christ, right? Figure out, me and my dad do this with each other every, every couple of years, and it's, it's not fun. What is the most important thing in your life that you can't go without, Right? And then me and my dad leave each other for a week or two, and we think about it, right? And some of it's not just the earthly stuff. It's not my cell phone, right? Uh, over the years, some of the stuff we've talked about is uh, respect. Can't live without respect, right? People need to respect me, right? And then the answer is, well, then go fast that thing, right? Give it to God. What you think you can't live without, anything in this life you think you cannot live without, you have to give it to God because it means it's more important than Him. It's more important than him, and that's scary, right? And it's not just physical things. I can't live without my cool toothbrush, right? I can't live without my nice car. That's earthly things, right? I can't live without comfort. I can't live without 50 grand in the bank account, maybe, right? I don't know what it is. Whatever that thing is, fast that thing. Give it to God, right? Give it up. It's the only way to move forward. We have to build new disciplines and repair our connections with God, like charging our battery. New disciplines, right? First Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8 says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Wow, we do that a lot, eh? Whew. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. What did I say earlier? If your impact is not eternal, double-check yourself. If your impact is not eternal, double-check yourself. If it's about my little world right now, you're missing something, right? And then, uh, I don't know why Revelations is in here. I never like reading Revelations. It's always so complicated. But Revelations 2, verses 2 to 5, maybe it's because it's a little bit more challenging. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and you've persevered, right? All of us. Good, right? God knows. I know that you've, you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and prove they are not, for they were imposters. Good, right? Check the prophetic. Don't just believe it. Test it. Make sure it's right. I also know you have bravely endured trials and persecution because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. Ooh, from God, right? You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Oh, God, please not. <laughs> Think about how far you have fallen. That sort of wake-up period of your life, right? When you meet God the first time and that passion wakes up inside of you, there's something beautiful, right? And that is connected to the love that we have for the Father and He has for us. And then our lives live and we sort of get more disconnected, 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 right? And God says, I don't want you in that place, right? I want you to be, I want to be your first, your passionate love, right? And it says, repent and do the works of love you did at first, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. 
we all have to always check ourselves and say, am I in that place where God is my first love, my first main love, right? That word lampstand there, it actually talks about the church or your place of impact. So we all live lives where we feel like, I want to make an impact. And God says, if I am not your first love, if I am not the starting point of your life, I will take your impact away from you, right? That's a scary place to be. And like I said, sometimes the prophetic isn't always just encouraging and kumbaya. Sometimes it's real. God says, put me first. Let me be your first love. And then like King Asa, I will fight your battles for you. I will speak prophetic words over you, right? So I want to encourage all of you, for those that are, the prophetic seems again a little bit like Nostradamus and a little scary. Step into that place. It's a beautiful thing when God confirms things for you, right? And it's just clear and clarity. We, when we moved to the States, we moved from South Africa, it was a scary thing. And we were praying and praying and praying and hoping and waiting. Door one, two, three, God, should we go? Shouldn't we go? Which one do we open? But our hearts was pointed to God. And we made a decision to come to the States, not fully hearing, not fully, fully hearing like this big voice from heaven going, it's time to go, God says, right? We didn't get that. And when we arrived, a couple of years later, the first prophetic word was spoken over us, right? A guy that didn't know me from anything walks up to me and he says, you came here for business, right? You do work here in the States? I go, yes. He goes, God didn't send you to the States to work, right? I'm like, oh. Right? And what does it wake up in me? Energy, power to say, come on, I want to go, I want to take responsibility for the boxes of my life, right? And the boxes of the community and the people around us, right? That prophetic is a beautiful thing. So the question is, what is your relationship like with God today? Is He your first love? Are you in that place with Him? Are you that close and intimate with Him? Right? We need to be in a place where we expect the prophetic. God wants to speak to each one of us, right? In the mornings, through His Holy Spirit, through other people, and then we test that word. And whatever it is, if it confirms to be true, we step up, take responsibility like King Asa, right? Break down the things in your life that's not of God, put new things in its place that's healthy and from God. And make sure that what you're doing has eternal impact. It's heavy to think about, right? If you're lucky, you make 80 years on this earth. 80, 100 in the context of eternity, would you not want to build into eternity, right? So right now, just close your eyes. Just check yourselves a little bit. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask Him, God, am I in that place with you? Is my relationship with you that close, that intimate? I want to I know exactly what the purposes you have for me, Father, and I want to have an eternal impact. I don't want to just be happy in my little bubble. I want an eternal impact. Ask God if you're in that place with Him. So this morning the Lord gave me a scripture and I didn't know what to do with it, but after hearing Ruan, it's in Hebrews 12 that says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and sin which so easily encumbers, entangles, and holds us back. And let us run the, with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only to Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for this joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that was set down 
at the right hand of the throne of God. And then in verse 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. It says strengthen. He doesn't say I will strengthen. It says to you, strengthen the hands that are weak and that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is impaired may not be dislocated, but rather healed. You have to make your own path so that whatever is dislocated in your life will not, whatever is weak in your life will not be dislocated, but will be healed. That's such a powerful scripture, and I thank God for that. Ruan, I'd like to ask Ruan to come back. I'd like for you to pray over them that throughout the week that the Lord would reveal to them what it is that they need to lay down. I want to uh, remind everybody of the fast, right? Mm -hmm. The fast is a beautiful, it's like a gateway. It's a door to understand God in a new and a special and intimate way. Take what is important to you and give it up to Him. Give it up to Him. Uh, food is a good part, right? Food is a good part. But anything else, give it to him. It's a, it's a door. It's a passageway to hear God's heart. So, Father, we just pray right now, Father. We pray mm. that we would be encouraged to take that first step, Father, that step, just like when I got out of that hospital bed, Father, just mm. to take that first step, yes, maybe in, in tears and trepidation and pain and suffering, Father. Yes, but we commit, Father. We want to change our habits. We want to be obedient. We want to be diligent, Father. And we want to take that first step. Help us this week to, to fight that battle, to figure out what we need to remove from our lives, Father. And Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us, yes, Father, Father. That yes. you would release your Spirit to us, mm. Father. That you would speak prophetically over us, Father. And that you would give us clear direction as to the purpose and the plan and the calling that you have on each one of our lives, Father. Reveal that to us by your power and by your Spirit, Jesus. Help us to be in that place, to be intimate, waiting on you, listening for your voice, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruan. That was so powerful. I call him Father Ruan, even though I'm old enough to be his mom. Because I, I cry all the time, right? Because <laughs> he has such a father's heart. And um, I appreciate that about you, Ruan. Thank you. He used to help me when I was a youth pastor, one of my great leaders. So thank you all for coming. Don't forget, if you're here for the first time, there is a blue table in the back. We have a free gift for you. And if you are in need of prayer, we're going to ask the prayer team to come forward. Please don't leave without us praying with you and taking this to the Lord in prayer. Please be blessed. Have a wonderful week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.